a Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. In this next episode of The Wellness Collective, we speak with funny mum and former nurse, Shannon Kelly-White. The reality is that when we have children, everything changes and we get to talk to her about the real truths of parenting and saying all those things that nobody actually admits to, how your intimate relationships really change after having children and so many more things. Join us for this next episode of The Wellness Collective. That doesn't sound positive. Can I just tell you, my son said to me the other day, he goes, what are you saying? I said, I'm just so tired. And he was like, have I done something? I'm like, no, I'm not sighing at you. I'm sighing, actually, I'm sighing because I hate cooking now. I hate it. Hate it. I used to like cooking. Cannot be Do you know that there's a a sure thing that goes on, there's a sure conversation that now goes on every day. Mm. Yeah. And it is what is for dinner. (laughs) What are we having for dinner? More than ever before because it's such a like, (laughs) ooh, what's for dinner? 2020. It's really the only chance for excitement in the day, isn't it? What we're going to eat. Yeah. 2020, the year when dinner was everything. I know. (laughs) <laughs> it really is. We should let our guest, since she's piping in already, she's so keen to talk. Yeah, hello, who are you? Hi, we should let oh, her sorry, introduce herself. No. <laughs> should let her introduce herself. G'day, I'm Shannon. Thanks for joining us. That was us, easy. Shannon. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I love it. There's no, there's no mucking around That's here. That's succinct. <laughs> Hi, Shannon. Welcome uh, to the Wellness Collective. Thanks for having me. Um, now, that has been itching to get you on for a little while. Do you know how many people have asked for you to be on? Like listeners wow. have messaged. Your listeners said, have exquisite taste. I know, right? They really do. This is very true. So, I mean, yes, um, I have known Shannon for a little while. We got had the pleasure of being at an event. Actually, we've shared a, an apartment. We've shared accommodation. We, we have. have. Ooh. That was particularly interesting because I think we both had things in our bed. Did you? Pardon? As in, I pulled the sheets back and the next morning I'm like, um, I don't know what that is, but that's not mine. It was a stain. It was, it was a, a mysterious stain. And I think you might have had hair. <laughs> I had a I had, had a pubic a hair of unknown origin in my bed. I can assure you it was not mine because it was not my brand. No, oh, my goodness. So you either had an extraordinary evening that you just don't remember or you were staying in accommodation that was maybe a little bit less so, than standard. Actually, I was talking to somebody about this. I have a real problem because all of my life mm. I thought that things were actually changed each time someone went into a hotel room. What? I was speaking I to did, a patient. That, that they don't? I was talking to a patient who used to work for a luxury hotel yeah. and she's like, oh, no, no, no. We'll just often, we'll look at the bed. Not in that, she goes, not at the more luxury accommodation, but often in the lower in, in, chain. Are we talking about like, yeah, uh, toast in a bag, motel arrangement? Not even. Oh. Mm. Like a three and a half star? Mm, even. Mm, mm, four? Mm. No. Wow. Yes. She was like, oh, they're not often changed. And I'm like, that is disgusting. So you're telling that me. That is disgusting because we all know that the most dirty sex occurs at hotels. <laughs> That's when you pull out the big guns. So the fact that they are not changing the sheets between. Oh. Uh-huh. No. Yeah. Don't. You've, you've broken I'm me. I'm sorry, but this is why, you know, there's these crazy people that travel with pillowcases and sheets. This is why. Do you know anyone like that? No. Yeah, I do know a few well, people that pack they a sheet. Admit. Yeah. I no. think I might become one after hearing that. <laughs> but, well, maybe we all have a duty then to, when we leave a hotel, pull all the bedding yes. off and yes. just chuck it yes. on the ground. I actually think we should start really a movement. Really soil it. Yeah. Soil it. 
soil it to the point that it has to be changed. Start the movement. Well, first of all, we're soiling it, and then we're ripping it off. So you've got no choice. That's but to right. Oh, no look, way. I'd love to be proven wrong, but she was saying that she used to work in hotels, and that mm. was just what. Well, again, you know, this year hotels have really come to the forefront and what <laughs> they can offer for everybody, haven't oh, they? Gosh. Anyway, this isn't why we asked you, Shannon, to come on the show. Is it? To talk about <laughs> hotels, but it's such great content. Oh my god. Well, you know, this is true. The mysterious stain is something, but. It's funny how I think if you think about yourself in your 20s or your teens, a mysterious stain would be the height of disgusting, right? But by the time you kind of reached your 30s, 40s, you're sort of like, Nah, how bad can it be? <laughs> yeah, give it a give it a little sniff. Give it a sniff. If it passes that test, ah, uh, she'd be right. Is it fresh? A lick and split like <laughs> like your mum used to do. She? Oh my! Now goodness. you you are familiar with other people's stain inducing, aren't you? Tell us about your uh, your role. I am very familiar with uh, bodily fluids of all kinds. And why is that? Uh, I was a nurse. I used to be a nurse, so I've had very close encounters with with all bodily fluids. Sometimes quite unpleasant. I don't think we think enough about what nurses have to put up with, do we? Well, again, keep going back to 2020 and all the offerings, the uh, what's for dinner, hotels and nurses. I mean, really, like, it is an extraordinary job being a nurse, oh, isn't it? I don't, I'm not going to lie to you, we're angels sent from heaven. Mm. We are the best. Um, but, yeah, there, it really is, it is a hard job. It, I think it is underestimated because you have so much responsibility as a nurse, like, lives literally in your hands uh, and then you don't the pay doesn't match that's that level of responsibility and it also doesn't match the fact that sometimes you're going to get splashes of liquid poo on your face so. <laughs> yes. I actually read a book just recently um which was set during the Spanish flu pandemic because you know you can't get enough just talking about pandemics <laughs> let's talk about the one from last century as well but it was about it's set in a maternity ward in Dublin uh and it's from the point of view of a midwife who's working there and she's working with uh, three or four patients who have the flu and are pregnant. And it just, it's there's a lot of bodily fluids described in the book, but it, it's a novel and it's it was so beautiful. I read it and it was really easy to read and I just loved it because there was so much of that talk of what knowledge nurses are required to have and how sometimes they just don't have the authority to deal like to to act upon that you know when it comes to giving out medicines and noticing uh, what's happening with the patient and so on and like this is from a hundred years ago what what's it like now in terms of that kind of uh, space for nurses I think that vibe is still so relevant because we are actually expected to pick up on doctors' errors. If they make an error, say they prescribe a medication that a patient is allergic to or they might prescribe the wrong medication or the wrong dose, we are expected to be able to pick up on that mistake Um, and yet we are not allowed to prescribe ourselves. So how are we supposed to be able to pick up on someone else's mistake if we aren't then allowed to to make the prescription Not ourselves. Not only that, you're having to sit there with the patient for well, the majority of the time. The right. doctor just waltzes on in and then, okay, over to you again and waltzes on out again. Like oh, The relationship between patients and nurses, it truly is beautiful. Like it's such an, it's a really intimate connection. Uh, that might sound like an inappropriate word, but it's it's because <laughs> it's, it's, they're so vulnerable at that time. They're, they're really usually quite lovely and open and the relationships that you form with patients is, it's the best part of the job without mm-hmm. a doubt. Mm. I think about um, when I had my babies. But it can be frustrating when you don't have like that autonomy. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think about when I have my have my babies and I actually loved being in hospital. I know people rush home from it. I loved it. 
<laughs> because the nurses were wonderful. Oh, yeah, they loved it. And the the second time around, I had uh, Caesar. So I was in like well, for the long haul. I think it was there five nights, and four of those nights I had the same midwife overnight. And she said to me, she was like, you make the most of having me here. You call me and I'll bring you a cup of tea. Oh, yeah. I'm here Aww. for you. No matter what it is, you make the most of it. Because Aww. when you get home, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> Turn to crap when you get home. <laughs> no, but I, I, it was lovely because yes. I knew I could rely upon her and she she was so kind and she had older kids and so she, yeah, she was just wonderful. Mm. Um, but occasionally you get those midwives that are like the the whip crackers, oh, the yeah. ball breakers are like, right, come on, pull yourself up. A bit up. stroppy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's so, definitely still a few matrons out there, yeah, that's for sure. No, there are actually. It's like school teachers, you know, the like old school school practice. teachers or the old school nurses, they still exist. But the old school teachers are pretty funny. Livy had one of those last year and I was like, she's straight out of my era. Like when I was eight, mm. that's what the teacher was like. It was one of those, you know, listen to me, do as I say, sort of really stern and firm, whereas mm. teaching's done a 180 as well. But nursing was very much part of, I guess, your previous life because I'm. you're not nursing at the moment. No, I'm no, not. No. I'm, a, I'm a stay-at-home mum. I've got yes. two kids. They're four and seven. And I am an author now. So that's what I'm doing these days. And you took to really, it all started from creating healthy meals for your family. Yeah, it all started off as a blog. So when my first baby was about one, uh, I was feeling a little bit uh, bored um, and I just wanted something that was just for myself, something that wasn't mum or wife, just just where Shannon could be Shannon, which is a bit of a knob. So I started this food blog uh, because I'd been cooking all these healthy meals because I'd been cooking other people's recipes and they tasted like penis dipped in lawn clippings <laughs> and I started making healthy food that actually tasted great. So I wanted to share it. So I started this blog and it just took off. It was um, it was really exciting. And then before I knew it, I've got three books out. So what do you think it took off? Years. I mean, I think there's a little hint in what you've just said, but why do you think it took off? I think I think because most time, most of the time, healthy food is presented by this really wholesome, mm. beautiful, natural, um, white flowing cheesecloth, well, well behaved uh, person. And here I was accompanying the words saute with penis in the same sentence, and people just seem to like that, I guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just normal, just a normal person. <laughs> So funny, but like it's really though, the other challenge is how you how in the hell do you get your kids on board with that as well? I think that's the other hard part. It's it's one thing to make this healthy, awesome food and then you've got to factor in these other little humans in your life. I thought you were going to say, how do you get your kids on board, like giving it a penis rating? Mum, this tastes like penises in lawn <laughs> clippings and duck poop. <laughs> yes, well, well, it is true. I know that I've got a couple of your books here, but in I think it's your first book was Shanna's Kitchen, yeah? Yes. Yes. Yeah, and that was my I, first I, one. The ratings are quite hilarious. I just showed Cecilia how you rate the, the actual <laughs> recipe and tastiness and uh, F's given. Yeah. And so there you go. You could give a give a rating. We should start rating our podcast maybe by some F's similar given scale. given and many nipples. <laughs> yeah, right. Why not? <laughs> hey, if yes. it works. I know, right? If it works, absolutely. But I know that then you've gone on to write other books. So you've written about parenting and then the third book is only recently released, isn't it? Yeah, so my second book was a parenting book called Parenting for Legends, but my third book was a cookbook as well called Shannon Does Dinner. Yeah, right. So, I mean, 
I love it because you do say the things that no one talks about, especially in Parenting for Legends, things like um, what to really bloody expect during your birth. And <laughs> one of the other chapters that I, I was looking at is um, now something along the lines of great now that I've buggered up my life after having <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I all felt like that. I wrote the parenting book because I felt like there was a bit of a bit of a space there where no one was was speaking the truth about some of the hardships of parenting, like how hard it is to have a root when you've got little kids or <laughs> how you do feel like your body looks like a melted candle afterwards. Um, so I just sort of felt that, that that hadn't been really explored enough. So I wrote the book to try and, well, to give parents a bloody pat on the back for a start because, I mean, if we love our kids and we're kind to them, then we're nailing it really. There's so much to get worried about. But at the end of the day, if, if you love them and you're kind to them, you're freaking awesome. Mm. So I just felt like that book, just needed to be out there. It was the book I wished I'd had when I became a mum. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you. I've just, I've just opened it. There's a parenting pie chart and uh, I love it. These are the categories. The biggest part is looking at them and thinking they're the sweetest thing in the whole wide world. You should have actually added that is only when they're asleep. Um, (laughs) Looking at them and thinking you'd like to put them in the bin. Yeah. That's a pretty big spot. (laughs) Quietly eating the children's cookies in the pantry so they can't see. Is, uh, can I just say, when they're around all the time, how often do you have to do that? How often do you have to hear your name be called right now? Like, mum, and I'm like, it wasn't it just like literally 45 seconds ago that mum, mum, how often do you roll your eyes right now? That and it's so crazy. funny because you dream before you become a parent, you think that when you hear that, you'd be like, yes, my little darling. But then after you've been a parent for a little while, you hear mom and you think, oh, for fuck's sake, what do you want now? <laughs> like it, it changes so much when you How actually become a parent. How many times do you parent. mouth that under your breath though? <laughs> or, like, I would just say it out loud. Yes. Yeah. What else you got there for us, <laughs> right. Cecilia? So um, a, a, an equal part to the quietly eating the biscuits is sniffing a brown smudge to see if it's poo. It's funny how you're not concerned that it might be when you do that. That does happen a lot. Promising yourself that tomorrow they'll watch less TV mm-hmm. and smelling the top of their heads an equal measure too. How, why is it that we love the smell of our children's dirty hair? I don't know. It's, it's cornflake-esque but not. Oh. It's divine <laughs> until it isn't. And then you right. don't they're, little, they're little pheromones. My oldest is seven. I still love that little sniff of his head. Yes, mm. I know. Just... They do smell cute. And then they get older. Livy's at the point now where she's sort of, she's not as sniffable. Mm, no, a whole different <laughs> sniff I sniff going for on. another reason, like, have you put deodorant on, sweetie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The other week she came into work to help me do, oh, listen to this, this is hilarious. The other day I said to her, do you want to come up to the office and help me do some things? Yep, no worries, I'd love to because, you know, she's worked out she can earn money. So this is awesome. Yep. So I said to, to Chris, okay, um, she's going to come up and help me. He said, that's fine, but she needs to clean her room first. Oh, okay. And yeah. so she's not leaving the house in a Yeah, you need to, le- need to clean your room and then you can go up. So, I mean, the draw card is you get to go up and make money, right? She texts me and she said, I'm not, I've decided not to come. And I said, why not? She said, because Dad said I had to clean my room first. And I said, yeah, well, that's fine. Just quickly clean your room and then you can come up. And she said, what you don't realise is that's actually double the work for me. If I have to clean my room and then come and do work for you, I don't want to do either of those things now. I'm like, what in the world? I would have been, as a kid, I would have been so, she, I tell you what. Take it for granted. Back in my day, Back that's what you day. wanted to say, isn't Can't it? Can't argue with their logic, though. I know, you? but it was so funny. It's like, well, that's double the work for me. Why would I do that? <laughs> oh, she's she's going to go far. Let's face it. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm on her side. Yeah, now. thanks. Yeah, thanks. I, I'm going to say I don't think I would have. Uh, yeah, I'm on Libby's side too. Yeah. And and also too, there's this assumption that kids know how to clean their room. I still look at my bedroom and go, oh. 
I'm hopeless at tidying. Hopeless. <laughs> hopeless. And I'm a grown woman. Hey, Shannon, tell me, I mean, I think the way you talk about parenting and, and having that open and frank kind of approach is amazing and wonderful. But have you had anybody that has not been open to being so frank about it? Oh, God, yeah, yeah. I get messages, not regularly, but often enough, mostly complaining that I'm not ladylike. Ah. And to, to which I pretty much say, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> but it seems to be like it's still a problem that, that if you're not a good girl... So are those and, those types of messages, what these people don't realise is it makes for great content ideas. So it's oh, like it's whatever you yeah. are really getting <laughs> under someone's skin about, you can pretty much go and create that knowing that the majority of people will probably be like, yeah, get in there. Well, what about though when you were like, when your babies were quite little and you were, you know, say in mother's group or what have you? Um I had a pretty great mother's group. Uh, I was living in Fitzroy at the time. I think I was probably the only country girl amongst the group. So I stood out like dog's balls for that reason. <laughs> but everyone was, it, it was slow at first where everyone was at first pretending that they had it all together and they were, were you know, got, walked into motherhood so graciously. But then slowly as we all got to trust each other, we let it all hang out a bit more and were saying how bloody hard it is to become a mother and, you know, the breastfeeding and the, the lack of sleep it didn't take too long before everyone was letting it all hang out. Mm. And we needed that. You needed someone to reflect the, the difficulty back to you and say, it's not just you, you're not the only one struggling. So I think uh, I like to do that for other people as well who yeah. might not have that support to just say it's all right to say it's bloody hard sometimes. Mm. Mm. I know there were those days and it still is at times. You know, you have oh, those days, God. especially at the moment, you're like, in lock, lockdown life. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> yep, yep. You're like really, really being tested, aren't I you? I just think it's a really interesting scientific experiment though. <laughs> like in terms of relationships, if you think about parents and children are not supposed to spend 24 hours a day together. It does not. I don't think anyone is supposed to spend 24 but hours a day, you not even about, your mother. <laughs> well, no, that, well, that, of course. And I do think actually for a lot of people who, who you know, have regular day jobs and only maybe spend an hour a day together, this would have been a really interesting time for them because all of a sudden they're both working from the same kitchen table and, Or not you know, working. That's or, even worse. Imagine if they were just oh, sitting around yeah, like... Yeah. Their favourite Renaissance painting. Can I just say, though, my husband hasn't been working very much. And yesterday he said to me, today I was going to have a quiet day. <laughs> and I said, okay. He goes, I cleaned the bathroom, I painted the fence, I vacuumed. Oh, I, he really he, went all out. He, he did it all he, in the one day. He can't do relaxing. Was he ovulating? Like, he might have been he's extraordinary, you know. But, but no, like you think about... In the olden days when we lived in a village or, um, or cavemen or whatever, there was there was aunties and uncles and grandparents and kids went off and, and they were never with their parents 24-7. No, it's like no. a trip around Australia in a camper van that's never ending. <laughs> <laughs> yes, with nothing to see except the same shit out the same bloody windows. <laughs> that is, it's like being on a boat uh, maybe, more like it. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it is true. We are looking out seeing the same thing. Shannon... In all of the experience with parenting, you're obviously speaking a lot about, you know, your children, but what about your relationship with your husband? Because obviously, or your partner, for all of us, that changes as well. You know, you, you and I don't know that we 
actually think about how much that is going to change. No. I get to see I the, don't think you know. I don't think you know either, but, well, of course you don't. I guess you can anticipate it. But, I mean, that is freaking hard when you first have children and then it, I don't know, that does it get easier? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's so, it, I agree with you, it is so difficult. When, when you have that first baby, it's like, a grenade has been thrown into the relationship because the roles that you both had before just change instantly overnight. And you don't, as as the mother, I found that I just didn't have enough time and energy to give him the attention and love that he was used to receiving. Um, and then obviously, of course, when you know, your fanny hole heals, you're too tired, you're too tired to go and celebrate the way you normally do as a couple and keep that spark going. So I feel like it's 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 a wild ride becoming a parent and not always in a good and way. And then, then as kids get older it gets, you know, that even gets harder again. It's particularly difficult to have intimacy intimate, an intimate yeah. time in lockdown. It's yeah. like, well it's how no do you fit, time alone? How do you fit that? Well, in? I have a tip for you. Oh, yeah. Just grease the bedroom doorknob. Oh, that's good. <laughs> the kids Just put a bit of butter in. on it, they won't be able to get in. Go buy yourself at least ten minutes. <laughs> Or, or, or go, go go online, click and collect at Bunnings and get a wedge of wood. Just shove it under the door. Did you do that? No, but I just thought of it. It's a nifty solution. I do. I think everyone, and that's probably what, I mean, we're all probably suffering in different ways and I think women can, pro- many women, we've mm. just done another episode on this just now, but yeah. we could probably go a bit longer than the average fella can. Yeah. We can kind of put it to the side and be busy and paint the fence and do whatever it was. <laughs> but I do think that, yeah, I reckon that's another layer of feistiness to the to the mix at, right now. Yeah. Add a little bit of toeiness and then we're all of it. Oh, my God, you know? how's this going to work out? I think, too, um, going back to what you were saying about when the baby is, comes along and it's like a hand grenade thrown off, I think it's a really nice thing to acknowledge because you don't expect that's going to happen and, and these in these this day and age, most people are fairly, um, what's the word, equal in their relationship before they have children. They're both probably working, earning money and all that kind of stuff. So all of a sudden that balance changes completely. And you know that saying, have you heard that saying about, you know, a, a partner being in the, the birth and seeing the baby born is like watching your favourite pub burn down? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, you never heard that? Never heard really? that. Such a charming analogy. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> I've never heard that. But it's true if you think about that. It's You're like, like this no. is my favourite place to go and it's just gone, you know? And like, it has crumbled. It has crumbled to the ground in a wreckage. <laughs> <laughs> crumbled or been blown up. So it's, it's like, <laughs> maybe we need to be a bit more sympathetic to partners because that's a really, I mean, that is an air an area that maybe people don't talk about very much. Hang on, be sympathetic. I don't, yeah, I don't bloody to... feel sorry for them. We're the ones who had to. But did they have to no, sit down okay, after doing maybe all not of sympathetic. that? Did you... No, <laughs> true. But understand that it's changed for them and they might be unsure about how I that plays out. I anything I wanted after he watched that. Really? It was, oh, it, it didn't last very long. But it was. <laughs> I think he was emotionally, after Olivia, yeah, Chris was absolutely tormented and he also had this picture <laughs> of Livy crowning that he insisted that everybody look at and I actually <laughs> I think that, that he I actually think <laughs> it was part of friends. the therapy it was he was like mate you want to see this and I'm like I don't 
think he does, actually. I don't really want him seeing it, but anyway. Yeah, right. And, but but it, I actually feel like part of him doing that was therapy. Like he needed to process what mm. he had seen. Mm. And so talking about it, and if anyone knows Chris, he has to talk about it over and over and over, <laughs> and over again. Like <laughs> that's how he processes things, whereas I'm a bit like, yep, okay, move on. We've done that. Uh-huh. Next, please. But I do wonder, I guess, it would be interesting to get a male's perspective on that. What you know? Because yeah. afterwards, I yes, I did get anything that I was <laughs> wanted, and he did not dare come near me mm. until I said, "Okay, you can come near me now." <laughs> you I, may I spoke enter. To, I spoke to one of my friends um, after his child, like not long after his first child was born, and his wife had had um, a difficult a difficult delivery. Um, but afterwards, he was he was traumatized. He was in shock because he couldn't believe he knew where babies came from, obviously, but he hadn't ever seen it happen and he mm. didn't realise how full on it bloody mm-hmm. is. But he he was, as the shock wore off, I think he saw it, he started to see the vagina as quite a sacred thing um, and I think it gave him a tremendous amount of respect for women and definitely for his partner who'd, who'd just given birth to their baby. But it did. he said that it took him a while to transition from, from those feelings of shock to wanting to put his willy in there again. But he got there. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, one for the all, team. And they all get there pretty quickly. How about, those people that, how about those people that you hear of and they've got like two under one? It's like, oh. what the hell were you thinking? Well, clearly they had a great a slip birth. up. Clearly they had a great birth. But who's getting back down on, who's doing that again that soon? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I didn't have Good to on worry They about are team it. players. Oh yeah. my god! Well, I t- truly, I was like, this is a, this is a no go zone. It was for a really long time, <laughs> really long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I felt it was important to to honour that. Hey, Shannon, I have to laugh sometimes. Um, <laughs> do you know that when I read some of your words, I feel like maybe you've stolen a few lines from Elf Stewart <laughs> on Home and Away. <laughs> <laughs> I have not been told I was that like, There was one that you were talking about turkeys. I was like, I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. when flame he talks turkey. about flaming oh, turkeys. Probably that is a bit of an Al Stewart <laughs> thing is. to say, isn't it? But is he your inspiration sometimes? I was wondering. But but really? I love it. You have some hilarious one-liners, I have to say. And and did you borrow any of them? Are they all yours? Because half of them I have not heard of before. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. They're I original? Say, like, just stupid country shit. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the I best I just have part. fun being a... Being a goose, that's yeah. all. Love that. We're gonna... Stupid country shit. <laughs> <laughs> so you're opening, you're opening the eyes of uh, of all these people who grew up in a in a um, in a city. You know, we're disadvantaged a lot of the time because they miss out on early sex ed when they don't get to see cows in the in, in the paddock, just True. getting amongst it. Yes, I do love that that city kids have to sit down and have proper sex education, whereas country kids are like, ah, that's been going on since you know, just look out the door <laughs> and there's animals doing it. We yeah. figured it out pretty quickly, and um, I think there's lots of things that country kids get the advantage over, but it's never never really the light's not shone. Upon no, that. not so, at all. And you know what? I are mean, you I, girls country girls or city girls? I'm from Mildura. I'm a country girl. I'm yeah. a city girl. Yeah, see, you know. Mm. I tell you, though, when you are, well, I never appreciated growing up in the country. No. I hated it. Really? Yep. I did because it was just felt isolating and. It was um, a long way from a capital Mildura city, though, Mildura. It was a long way. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, and just, sm- you know, just the smallness of it um, mm. meant that you were always somebody that was known, like you never, you don't go anywhere and get to be that, just that girl with the red hair. 
you, you, you are always someone. Um, whereas in the city, you can just kind of, if you want yeah. to be a little bit incognito, you can. In in anonymity. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I'm not really sure that, that, you know, being able to be anonymous is a good thing for teenagers though. That's true. <laughs> that is very being, true. Being a bit accountable for your actions as a teenager is probably a good thing. So I loved my country upbringing and that's why we left the city my husband and I lived in Fitzroy and when our child was two, we moved to Torquay. Not that it's proper country, but we wanted that same space and that sense of freedom for our kids growing up because mm. that's what we both had. Looking um, back, don't get me wrong, I think it was fabulous growing up as a teenager in the country and I'd love my children to have that opportunity, but being the teenager growing up in the country really sucked. My dad pulled up the local, um, one of the, the doormen on the, the nightclub and he was also a police officer, you know, and he was also, he was the police officer, he was the doorman at the nightclub and he was the driving instructor. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad pulled him up and he was like, if you see her, if you see her in, in here. In any of these jobs that you have. You haven't taken her for her licence, you will know that she's underage. So I worked out how to sneak in the back door. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, um, can you just explain some of these? I've got, I've got your glossary here. Can you just explain some of these w- words to me? <laughs> it's okay. a test. Yep, it is. Oh, God, it's been a while since I've uh, brushed up on my skills. On your lingo, are you ready? Okay, All right. What's a dingling? A dingling, that's a penis, a willy, mm. trombona. <laughs> trombona. Pink skin flute. <laughs> Pink, skin. Pink skin flute, I like that. Do we, uh, uh, oh, this is one of my favourites, a bee's dick. A bee's dick is a very tiny amount, you know, very like it, small It's a amount. measurement. Yeah, but it's it's a really specific measurement, isn't right. it? It's like sometimes that's the only way to describe something. <laughs> How much more do you need? Oh, just a bee's dick. There you go. <laughs> exactly. What about a, uh, what's a flog? A flog. A flog is a wanker, someone who likes to pull upon their own genitals at a Rapid rate. Right. So we're talking about um, speaking figuratively or actually? Well, you could use it literally or figuratively, but I, you know, I would call the word flog is probably one of my (laughs) favourites. Actually, one of the best emails I ever got from someone was um, from a lady who said, she was like, I, I... I'm caring for my mum and she has terminal cancer and she was in the other room and I heard her making this really strange sound and I thought, oh, my God, it's happening. She's passing away and she ran into the room and her mum was laughing her head off because she was reading my cookbook. (laughs) (laughs) And then she said her mum, who was like 80, in her early 80s, has started calling everyone a flog. Oh, your work (laughs) is done. I was like, a proud, proud moment. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, a couple more. Fresh Lord. Fresh Lord, someone who's super cool. Right. Okay. Nat, you are one hell of a fresh lord. Thanks. Well, hang on a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you too, Cecilia. Oh, yeah, I want to be a fresh lord as well. I I think we should get a T-shirt made up of that one. I like that. funny. One more. Uh, This one here. Chubbies. Chubbies. Oh, you know, erections, fatties. (laughs) I'd just like like to shout out to my friend Alyssa, who uh, I remember when we were, I don't know, 17, 18, (laughs) we used to refer to chubby squirts quite a lot. What the? What's a chubby squirt? Tell us more, Cecilia. What is that? I feel like I'm getting educated. <laughs> well, you know what here. it is? No, I would like you to tell me. Well, it's a it's the what comes out of the chubby, but I can't remember <laughs> the context. Gone red. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I just remember we used to say it. We also used to say. You mean like ejaculating? Yeah. Right. But I don't chubby think squirt. it was actually it's just in the, response to ejaculating, like real you ejaculating. Just, you I were think just we saying just it. it was hilarious. Yes. Like that guy's <laughs> well, a chubby squirt. <laughs> 
You know what? I really hope for those of our listeners who aren't in Australia, they really feel enlightened by I today's know, right? episode. Oh, that, that Welcome is... to our glorious culture. Yes. Absolutely. And Rich. you've got one more, which is actually one of my favourite words too, and that is grouse. Grouse. I bring it oh. back. I loved it. I love it. Grouse is it's such grouse. a good word. That is grouse. Yeah, we never use it anymore. No. We don't use bring it, it back, anymore. girls. Yeah, I right. challenge you to use it on your next podcast. Okay. okay. It'll be a we grouse We can do one. it at the end of this. Happy a grouse and better. <laughs> Grouser. <laughs> that sounds like a happy ending. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, dear, dear. Shannon, where can our listeners find your books and your recipes and everything that you offer? Oh, just find me online, shannonkellywhite.com. Perfect. And you're on the gram, uh-huh. entertaining the masses on the gram as well, which I think <laughs> is still... making an absolute gig of myself on the daily. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you for joining us today. We've loved the giggles. I've enjoyed how many... F's given that yes. you've uh, you've brought along for this one. Yeah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> if you have enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate it for us mm-hmm. and tell us what you think. And say it was grouse. You could say it was grouse or ace. I like ace as well. Yes. Yeah, there you go. but grouse is better. Grouse is yeah. I remember yeah. grouse back yep. in the day. Yep. Um, but we haven't got any more reviews to read out oh, at the moment. I love We're the way you say that. that with a real passive aggressive way of like putting the pressure on our listeners to yeah, you know fix that, that situation. Sorry about that. Oh, there's none. Oh, well, what are we going to do? <laughs> We're going to wait for some more. It's fine. Shannon, thank you so much yes. for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And until next time, we hope this episode has left you feeling grouser. <laughs> Grousest. And better. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>